0: Animals Today Radio is made possible in part by a generous grant from International Society for Animal Rights, ISARonline.org. Welcome to Animals Today, your home for a serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. So what do you do when you see a dog alone in a car on a hot day? I mean, it's hard to know what to do, isn't it? And besides, what are you allowed to do under the law? Well, an important law has just passed in Tennessee to protect good Samaritans in these situations. And we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. But first, I want to share with you a personal experience I had a few years ago. And I'm going to replay a brief segment for you now. Then I started to think about the time when I was with a friend at a shopping mall. True story here. And some of you living here in Palm Springs for several years may have heard about this one. My friend and I came across a dog left in the car in the middle of the summer here in Palm Springs. And those of you who know, who live here in the Coachella Valley, know how hot it gets here in the summertime. I mean, it must have been 110 that day. And unless you're really an idiot, then you know that you can't leave your dog in the car on a hot day. Actually, it's illegal to leave your dog in a car in Palm Springs any time of year because of the unexpected and big swings of temperatures but anyways here it is 110 degrees and there's a dog in the car the windows are barely cracked and we all know that does a lot of good right on a hot day you might as well leave the windows all the way up so one of us and I'm not gonna admit which one on the air but maybe some of the listeners that know me can guess which one one of us broke the car window with a special device one of us has in the trunk of our car Now, don't worry. This is a really good ending. People who know me know that I don't often tell or like to hear animal stories with bad or sad endings. As we broke the window of the car, we grabbed this heat-stricken, almost dead dog from the car. Out comes the guy who owns the car and owns the dog. OK, remember, great ending for the dog, although he was hospitalized for dehydration with heat stroke and actually almost did die at this moment that I'm speaking right now. He's healthy, happy as a lark right now in his new, wonderful home. But my point is, this guy could not care less about the dog. He did not say one word about us taking his dog. I mean, it's incredible if you saw someone snatching your dog when you say or do something about the dog. OK, he didn't. However, he did try to get the police to charge us for vandalizing his car, which we were guilty of, but we weren't charged. But wait, it gets better. And this is actually the funny part. The guy was so pissed off that we broke his car window that he started screaming at us, calling us nasty names that I I can't really say on the air here, but saying what a horrible thing we did by breaking his car window, and he's going to sue our big, fat, you know, you know what, and trying to draw attention so people will be mad at us and side with him as we were running away with his dog. So now there's this huge guy watching this entire event, as, as it did draw quite an audience. This guy must have weighed 300 pounds and sort of the tough-looking type. You know, he had a couple tattoos on his arms and neck and earrings in his face and his body hair poking out of his tank top. This guy calmly goes right up to the guy, screaming at us and calling us nasty names. He bends down, pulls something out of his pant pocket, and slashes the guy's back tire and then turns to us with this big, beautiful smile on his face and gives, up, gives us the thumbs up sign and then he calmly walks away. True story. So I now want to welcome attorney Bob Ferber, former Los Angeles animal cruelty prosecutor. Welcome, Bob.
1: Thank you very much, Lori.
0: Good to be back. Bob, we've talked about this situation before and now there's a new law in Tennessee that addresses this. Why don't you tell us about it and why is it important?
1: Uh, well this law is a little different from uh... the laws that other cities have passed and states for example in california uh, they recently passed a law that gave immunity so that in other words in layperson's language uh, that people can't be sued for breaking into cars to rescue animals that are there suffering from presumably you know it's a hot car but in california it's limited to police and animal services uh, personnel law enforcement now can break into a vehicle in california if they believe an animal is in danger and they can't be sued uh, they're protected But this new law in Tennessee is interesting and in that it goes further it gives immunity to people your average citizen to you and me it means that anybody who believes that an animal is in danger can break into a car and will be protected so that they don't get sued. And
0: this is a good thing, right?
1: I think it's a wonderful thing. With some reservations though, as an attorney, whenever we, anybody who passes laws, we try to look at, can this law include conduct that we don't want? And uh, and I think on first glance, people think this is great. We don't want to have to wait in the parking lot for 20 minutes for animal control to come while a dog is suffering. We should be able to, as interested animals, as citizens who care about animals, we should be able to just break in. It sounds great. The complication is that in in places like here in California, we've done a lot of training to... uh, to train law enforcement to know what to look for, so when they do break into a car, they're not breaking into a car and the car and in a situation where the dog is just fine. Uh, so, and for example, law enforcement's trained to identify the body language of the animal. Is it panting? Is there any water? How long has it been there? What's the temperature outside, the temperature inside? We even go so far in many cities like L.A. to require that law enforcement use a special thermometer that measures the temperature inside the vehicle, not just out. Most people like you and me, we don't have that training, we don't have that equipment, and so my concern about this law is that there will be well-intentioned people who see animals in a car on a hot day and without having sufficient knowledge to know whether that animal is suffering or not, they may break into that vehicle and uh, something could happen that uh, could end up in a real lawsuit. Like what? We all think, okay, it's easy, you break into a car and you just take the animal out. Unfortunately, that's not typically the way it works. First of all, it's very hard to break a car window. And when you do do that, it shatters and you have broken glass. So the first thing is when you break in, you could accidentally injure the animal that's inside the car if you do that then the question is under this law are you protected uh... if the owner finds, shows up and gets their animal back and says not only did you break my window but you hurt my animal a second scenario which is very possible is you break the window and the dog or let's say you're able to open the door whatever uh, the dog runs out of the car runs into the street and gets killed by another car uh, what what happens now? Is this law going to protect people for that? A third scenario is what is a well-intentioned person breaks into the vehicle and the dog uh, attacks them, or it gets runs away and bites somebody else. Uh, these and again, is the person the good Samaritan? covered under this new law, and will they be able to uh, do this without getting sued? And and one of the complications about the law, and I don't mean it to say it's a bad law, is how much in- documentation does a good Samaritan have to have to prove to a judge that they sh- had the right to go in there? Uh, Do they have to take a video? Do they have to take photos? Do they have to watch the animal for a certain period of time? And one example, Laurie, where animal control officers and police have made mistakes is they see a dog in a car, it's hot outside, and the dog is panting. Now, we both, were, most people would assume that means the dog is suffering. Well, without actually looking into other factors that are going on, a dog could be panting because, for example, the owner ran into the store, which I want your listeners to know I don't support anybody ever leaving a, car, a dog in a car, even for a minute. Unattended. But assuming somebody does and runs into a 7-Eleven for one minute and, when they, and the people, somebody in a parking lot sees a dog panting, they break in, they uh, break the window, they get the dog out, maybe there's some other things, the dog gets injured, the person gets nipped, and the owner comes out two minutes later and says, my dog was panting because he just spent two hours at the dog park. He's not hot. And then you look at the dog, and you realize the dog doesn't want water. The dog is ready to run around the block again.
0: Um, How about just common sense? I mean, here we we live in Palm Springs, California, and it's 115 degrees today. If I see a dog in a car, I want to break the window just because it's common sense. The dog won't last one minute in that car.
1: I think that's a very good point. And I think that in, in locations around the country, including Tennessee, when it's hundred and sixteen degrees i don't think you have to worry about it but what about when the car is parked in the shade and the windows are cracked open and it's ninety degrees now t- typically experts will tell you that the temperature can rise about twenty degrees more that means in a certain period of time it could get to hundred and ten but At the moment you're doing that, is it 90 degrees? Is it 80? Was the air conditioning on just before you showed up? So we don't know how the judges and the courts will deal with this in those marginal situations. But I, I definitely think it's trying to address the situations where it's obvious this animal is suffering. But there are areas or examples where it may not be obvious, and I would like people to err on the side of rescuing the dog. But whether this Tennessee law will protect them or not, it remains to be seen. And what's going to happen is well-intentioned people will do this. And uh, situations will come up where somebody will say, you should never have broken into my car. You made a complete mistake. You hurt my animal. Or somebody else got hurt. I'm going to sue you. Will the judges say that that person's protected?
0: Bob, do you think we're going to see more states trying to enact laws like this?
1: Yes, and I sure hope so, too, okay. because it's long overdue, and I I, want, I know so many police officers in California that are thrilled when that law was passed because they wanted to break in to protect an animal, but their supervisors said, nope, you can't do that, uh, you might get sued, uh, and what would end up happening is they're waiting till the animal is passed out, and often by that time it's too late.
0: Bob Ferber, thank you very much. You're welcome. Don't go away. When we come back, a tiger cub was found wandering around a neighborhood in California. What would you do if you came across this situation?
2: So you and your family have decided to get a dog or cat. We think that's great. And we want to remind you to adopt your next companion animal instead of buying. That's because shelters have so many loving dogs and cats waiting for a home that it just doesn't make sense to buy a pet from a breeder or pet store. And sadly, over half of all animals that enter shelters are killed. That's millions per year. So when you adopt your pet from a shelter, most likely you really are saving a life. When you go to a shelter to adopt your new dog or cat, you will find many wonderful choices for your new family member. And please tell your friends and family to visit the shelter when they are ready to get a new dog or cat. Ask anyone. When you adopt an animal, you'll have a loyal friend for life. And you'll feel pretty good, too. This message is presented by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at AIanimals.org and on Facebook. That's AIanimals.org.
3: Hey folks, it's Dana here. I want to talk to you a little bit about our power grid. Now, it's no secret that the administration has literally declared war on the coal industry. And the result is that the cost of electricity is skyrocketing right past the record rates we already have. Now, ultimately, I believe these policies are going to create real shortages of electricity. It's like Obamacare, but with the power grid. And it gets worse. Experts say that our power grid continues to remain unprotected and vulnerable, which is why I want all of my listeners to be able to produce their own supply of electricity. Listen, I believe that it's time to prepare. You should always prepare and be prepared, especially with any coming problems concerning the power grid. So do what I did. Get a solar generator from Solutions from Science. They run quietly, emit no fumes, and produce an endless supply of electricity from the sun. Go to DanaSolarBackup.com to learn more. That's DanaSolarBackup.com. Use coupon code Dana to get a special half-price offer. Dana Do you owe...
4: The- The IRS money. Do you have years of unfiled returns? Has the IRS garnished your wages or put a lien against your house? The IRS has the power to make you pay back what they claim you owe and will stop at nothing to collect. If you are losing sleep over your IRS tax problem, there is a solution. Call Signature Tax now. Speak with our professionals and feel the weight of your tax burden lifted from your shoulders. Call 800-859-9446 for your free and confidential analysis on ending your tax nightmare. We can help get your life back on track and give you the fresh start you deserve. Our A-plus BBB-rated tax resolution team has over 125 years of combined experience to get you the best deal possible while stopping the IRS dead in their tracks. Call Signature Tax now at 800-859-9446. Call 800-859-9446. Again, that's 800-859-9446. 800-859-9446.
0: Welcome back to the show. Here's a strange one for you. What would you do if you encounter a tiger cub wandering around in your neighborhood? Well, a juvenile tiger was indeed found in the Southern California city of Hemet. And here to tell us more about this tiger is Bobby Brink, founder of Lions, Tigers, and Bears Sanctuary in Alpine, California. Welcome back to the program, Bobby
5: Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bobby, do you know where this tiger came from? You know, we don't know. We have no idea. I do know Fish and Wildlife is investigating. Right. Do you, do you think it was it was likely that it was someone's pet? I, I would bet money that it's someone's pet. And, and, and this is not an unfamiliar scenario around here. It's really sad because the breeders, they, they breed these cubs for nothing more than profit. Nothing more than profit. Yeah. And they'll tell people that they make a good pet, they don't make a good pet. And they're used and exploited for nothing more than profit to take photos with people. And, you know, if if we can get anything out of this interview is that if you ever have the opportunity to have your picture taken in the United States and, and abroad with a baby lion or a baby tiger or a baby big cat, please don't do it. Because most of them, after 12 weeks old, they're disposable and they're killed or they go into the exotic animal trade. They're untraceable. We can't find them. It's so so sad.
0: Thank you for emphasizing that very important point, Bobby. Is it legal to own tigers in California?
5: No, it's not. They're actually illegal I- illegal to have as a pet.
0: they' it's illegal.
5: Illegal. No, it's you cannot have them as a pet. Right, right. So is and for is for good it... reason, as we see in this poor cub.
0: Is is this a problem of illegally owned tigers now in the state?
5: Not so much in California, because in California we are pretty lucky that we do have good laws. But in some states across the country, believe it or not, there are still no laws. Yeah. And so that's one of the things we work at really hard here at Lions, Tigers and Bears is to get legislation passed to protect these animals. So how
0: did you end up capturing this little
5: guy? Well, I didn't. Uh, somebody turned him into their local humane society, and then they called the California Fishing Game, and that's who placed them. They actually placed him at a holding facility and then brought him here, of course because we're an accredited facility. Bobby, have you named him yet? We haven't named him. We're actually going to have a little contest that everybody um, can, uh, can get involved with to pick a name, and we're, we're picking our panel of judges right now to pick pick the names and we're going to let people submit their name and why they want to have the cub name that name and, and go from there. And then we're, you know, we got to work on getting him healthy because he definitely has a lot of health issues and we're just going to have to work through that. And then we'll have an open house and, and announce his name.
0: Bobby, can a two and a half month old tiger hurt a person?
5: You know, they can't so much hurt a person as far as at that age, they're more like a puppy but as far as disease, you, you know, they're, they're, they're just like a puppy. They can get parvo. Right. They can have, you know, viruses. They, you know, can carry Giardia or parasites. So you've got to be really careful, careful there. And um, once they grow up is when you have a problem because they are top of the line apex predator and they can kill you. So
0: what do you recommend for my listeners? I mean, if I'm driving to work and I see a, a little cub running across the street, I'm going to pull over and try to rescue that cub.
5: Of course, we all are, because that's in our heart. And this person did the right thing by taking it to their local humane society or yeah. calling their fishing game or, yes, fish and wildlife. And then, obviously, he's going to get a live here and have a good life. And he's getting medical care, and we're going to work on his feet because somebody declawed him and did a bad job to boot. So this poor little cub, he can't even walk on his paws without pain. He's walking on his forearms. Wow. So we'll get him, you know, the care he needs for that. Oh, poor thing.
0: And, uh, Bobby, in in the last minute, can you give us a brief update on the black bear meatball that you rescued from Glendale, California?
5: Meatball 210, our most famous bear. You know, um, you've all heard the saying, a fed bear is a dead bear. I know we all want to feed animals, but when you go camping, please don't. In California, three strikes, the bears are out. If they come into the human area three times, they're killed in the state of California. Meatball's a lucky one. He got to come here. So he lives here now. He's about nine years old, and he's doing great. He just broke a canine, so we're getting ready to do some dental on him. But other than that, he's super healthy and super happy and if anything can learn be learned from a uh, meatball, it's put away your bird seed, don't leave out your dog food, don't leave out your trash for bears, and if you go camping, use bear safe, bear safe containers.
0: Bobby Brink, founder of Lions, Tigers and Bears Sanctuary in Alpine, California. Bobby, can you tell us your website?
5: It's lions,
0: tigers and dot org. Bobby, thank you so much.
5: Thank you. Thank you all.
0: So I want to emphasize a point that Bobby Brink mentioned, which is it's not a good idea to have a large cat as a pet. Right, Peter?
6: Well, they get big pretty quick. You start with a cub, and before you know it, they really get out of control. Right. Plus, it's inhumane. What kind of life is that for a, a lion or a tiger or a bobcat even? You know, Wild animals it's, should not be pets, period. Yeah, it's insane. Now, I have to say that there are a few pictures around the household here of you posing with what looks like a bobcat
0: you didn't have to say that
6: (laughs) i found them okay
0: full disclosure here that wasn't my bobcat and it was friend of the family he and his wife had a beautiful bobcat this is when i was 13 years old
6: so a long long time ago.
0: long time ago had a beautiful bobcat named buttercup yeah and this was their child
6: so do you remember the first time you met buttercup
0: i do I do. I went over to their house for dinner. I met Buttercup, and Buttercup was, was sitting at the table with us eating dinner. At the table? There was a chair for Buttercup, uh-huh. a dinner plate, and truly it was it was like their their human child.
6: Now, a bobcat, a full-grown bobcat, it's not a huge animal, was it? He,
0: Buttercup wasn't scary or anything. Buttercup was tamed. Buttercup was the size of about a, a medium-sized dog, and these, but strong. Were there claws? No, they...
6: The cat was decaying. Yeah, so this is like a different era when right. we were really not aware that you don't want to do that. But, uh, but nonetheless, it was your impression that Buttercup was doing okay?
0: Buttercup was very, very well loved. Yeah. We're in different times now, and, and when I was growing up, it was like a cool thing. I was 13 years old. Wow, look, my friends have a wild animal as a pet. Yeah,
6: there was a guy in my neighborhood back in Brooklyn who had a spider monkey. He used to walk around the neighborhood with a monkey on his oh, shoulder. Great. So same same sort of deal. Of course, I'm not as old as you are, but uh, no more spider monkeys uh, walking, walking around the neighborhood. Okay. No more bobcats eating dinner with you.
0: That's right. Okay, don't go away. Next up, there's a crisis in the world of salamanders. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Dr. Lori Kirshner, and I want to thank you for listening to Animals Today. Make sure to visit us on Animalstodayradio.com, where you will see all our previous shows and where you can download them free. That's Animalstodayradio.com, or you can listen on iTunes. Also, make sure to like us on Facebook and join the discussion. Animals Today gets a lot of its support from the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. Please visit them at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. And I hope you'll consider making a donation to help pay for the ongoing broadcast of Animals Today. Each week on Animals Today, we strive to bring you the highest quality, most up-to-date information about all animals, how we treat them, and their place in society, while promoting greater respect and kindness towards them. So thanks for your support. That website, again, is aianimals.org. And thanks for listening. Rita,
7: you look upset.
8: I am, and I'm not sure what to do. My neighbor's dog is tied up outside. He looks very skinny and sick, and I never see food or clean water given to him.
7: You need to report this right away.
8: What do you mean?
7: You should call Animal Services or the police and tell them about the abused and neglected dog. They can help to make sure the dog is properly taken care of.
8: Okay, I can't stand to watch him suffer anymore. What's the number?
2: Even though most of us take good care of our pets, not everyone treats dogs and cats with the care and compassion they need to be safe and healthy. If you see that a dog or cat is not being treated properly, report it to animal services or the police right away. Pets need food and clean water and protection from extreme weather. You can make the difference, and you don't have to give your name. Help stop pet abuse and neglect. Be their voice. Make the call. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org. There is no getting around it. The great outdoors isn't so great for your cat. From speeding cars to toxic lawn chemicals, coyotes to cruel humans, cats are no match to the dangers of today's world. The good news is animal behavior experts say cats don't need to go outside to be happy. Your family will be happier and healthier, too, without the ticks, fleas, diseases, and the dead critters the outdoor cats bring their owners. And you will never have to explain to a crying child who or what hurt her pet or why he hasn't come home. Cats can enjoy a happy and safe life indoors. The key is to provide attention, exercise, and a stimulating environment. Play with your cat. It's fun for both of you. You can hide toys around the house, too. Just make sure there can be no detachable parts that can be swallowed. You can protect your cat from becoming a tragic statistic. Tomorrow may be too late. This message is brought to you by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at www.aianimals.org. That's aianimals.org.
3: Dana Lash here. Our freedom and independence is not free. Veterans and their families pay the price for your freedom and for mine. Veterans families are many times unprepared to deal with what our warriors bring home. The pain, the nightmares, feelings of detachment, irritability, trouble concentrating, and sleeplessness. These are some of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress. The Purple Heart Foundation would like to offer all of you out there, all of my listeners, the book Tears of a Warrior, A Family Story of Combat by Janet and Anthony Seahorn as a free gift. Tears of a Warrior was written to educate families Families and veterans about the symptoms of pts and to offer strategies for living with the disorder the book is free to anyone who would like a copy all you pay is shipping go to purpleheartfoundation.org that's purpleheartfoundation.org or call 800-935-9941 that's 800-935-9941 order the free book or give a donation in honor of a veteran you know you can donate a car or cash all donations go directly to help veterans nationwide 800-935-9941 or purpleheartfoundation.org
9: I'm Bob DiRigo Jones, and this is Let's Be Fair. As we all marvel at the amazing pictures that a tiny spacecraft has sent to us from the farthest reaches of our solar system, it's a good time to think about all the ways we've benefited from space exploration, and might still in the future. Modern conveniences like cell phone cameras, scratch-resistant lenses for sunglasses, and water purification systems were all originally developed by NASA. Because of all the brilliant minds working there, it often seems like the only limit on what we can create is our own imagination. Unfortunately, one of the barriers to innovation is entirely man-made and unique to America, legal fear. Currently, a device invented by a former NASA engineer that could save lives by making it impossible to text, talk, or email on a cell phone while driving is being kept off the market, in large part because of fears about lawsuits. Let's be fair, there are actually many products that haven't made it to market because of concerns about the excessive litigation in America, and you would be amazed at what they can do. Learn more. Visit our website at centerforamerica.org.
3: Do you ever wonder where your food comes from or how it was raised? You're not alone. Today's consumers are asking more questions than ever about animal welfare, hormones and antibiotics, and whether GMO foods are safe to eat. The good news is there's a group of farm women across the country dedicated to helping you make confident food choices for you and your family. Working on everything from dairy farms to large row crop operations, these women are part of Common Ground, a grassroots organization that fosters conversations between the women who grow America's food and the women who buy it. I'm Amy Robinette,
5: a grass-fed beef producer and livestock processor from North Carolina. As the mother of two children and a Common Ground volunteer, I love sharing personal stories
3: from our farm and helping those not connected to farming learn about today's food production. Join the food and farming conversation at findourcommonground.com and look for Common Ground on Facebook and Twitter.
0: Welcome back to the show. If you're like me, you don't think a lot about salamanders. But my next guest, Matt Ellerbeck, does. In fact, he's known as the salamander man. And he is here to tell us why at this time, we should know what's going on in the world of salamanders. Welcome to the program, Matt.
10: Hi, how are you tonight? I'm
0: great. Matt, why is a perfectly normal man like you so interested in
10: salamanders? That is a really good question, Um, and I think the easiest way to answer that is I'd seen an interview once with Jane Goodall, and she had said, you know, some people are just born with a love of animals. You know, you can't explain it. Some people just have that, and that's the way I've always been, and in particular um, things like amphibians and reptiles, and I remember when I was a very little kid, at my grandparents' um, campground, I would go out and I would find salamanders, um, blue-spotted salamanders, and red S they're called. And, I, you know, those memories of seeing those animals just stayed with me all my life. So it, it's a real testament to my passion and interest for salamanders. And as I got older and learned about some of the threats and problems they're facing, I decided, you know what? I'm going to use my time and efforts to try to contribute to the betterment of these animals. And that's kind of how I got, um, you know, involved with salamander conservation. When you just mentioned <laughs> I'm called the Salamander Man. A British author actually gave me that title. Um, she wrote about my efforts to create some habitat, protect a habitat for salamanders with landowners. And after she had wrote about that one of her books, she She's the one that gave me the name Salamander Man. So and and obviously it's a, a great compliment and uh quite fitting.
0: <laughs> yeah. What what are the threats to salamanders?
10: Well, one of the big ones is habitat loss, which a lot of wildlife obviously faces. But being amphibians like frogs, salamanders face additional threats through pollution and contaminants in their environment. Because they don't have scales on them. Um, their bodies are very very absorbent so you can think of a salamander almost like a sponge so even if say there's areas of protected habitat like a conservation area or a wildlife refuge if the surrounding area is still urbanized so we still have human settlement you can have gasolines and oils and pesticides and, and other contaminants and pollutants still enter that habitat and the salamanders can very readily and easily absorb those uh, chemicals and that can cause mass die-offs. Another problem they face is roads that you know cut through natural areas and in the springtime the female salamanders have to migrate over these roads to nesting sites in the form of uh, little pools on the forest floor and a lot of them unfortunately get hit by cars so and they kind of add all these things up together. It accounts for a large number of these animals being lost every year due to human induced hazards.
0: Matt, you contacted me to tell me about this fungus that is afflicting salamanders in Europe. so what's going on here?
10: Yeah. yeah, so this is sort of a new threat that's sort of um you know appearing on on the radar, so to speak, so. There's this, it's a type of chytrit fungus, which is an infectious skin disease, and it's known as B-sal, sal sal because it it affects salamanders. Now, there's another form of chytrit fungus um, that has been known since the 80s that has, you know, really, really decimated frog populations. It does affect some salamanders as well, but this new one seems to affect um, only salamanders. And over in Europe, it's caused a population crash of the fire salamander in certain areas. And in some spots, the population had declined by up to 94% um, of that population had disappeared due to the fungus. Now, if it makes its way over to North America, which has more salamander um, diversity, in it than any other place on earth, it, the same thing could happen here now there's been tests done that show that unfortunately the bee cell fungus is um unfortunately fatal to North American salamanders so if it ever reached you know this side of the world or or spread throughout Europe, which is potentially happening, you know it's really going to affect these animals in a very serious serious way It's extremely. Um, you know, the mortality rate is very, very high. Why are they getting this fungus? It seems to be contagious among the population. So when one animal get it, gets it, they can spread it to another, to another. Um, and they think it originated from Asian salamanders, um, specifically semi-aquatic ones, which we commonly call newts. So Asian newts that might have been imported for the pet trade, um you know if they were released into the you know people get animals and then unfortunately they don't look after them or they let them go and they get bored of them and then by releasing exotics you're then releasing all sorts of you know pathogens and and diseases into an environment that and those animals that live there have never been exposed to them so they have no defense against them so that's how they think that it's it's entered Europe and if it's and right now various um, authorities are trying to push to get a ban on having Asian salamanders imported into North America to hopefully stop it from happening then.
8: If
0: the salamander populations are not healthy, Matt, what are the consequences to the ecosystem and the environment?
10: Well, first off, if there are a lack of amphibians in an environment, that's telling you that it's unhealthy. Salamanders and frogs as well, are known as bioindicator species. So their presence is telling us that the environment is healthy. The lack of their presence is telling us it's unhealthy. And because salamanders are both predators and prey items to various creatures in the forest and, and other ecosystems, if they're removed it kind of it's like a puzzle. Picture it like a puzzle. When you take out one piece you know, suddenly, you know, something's missing, it doesn't look right, and then that can lead to another piece missing, another and another. That's how ecosystems work. You take out one thing, it affects, you know, the whole picture as a whole. And salamanders are important, especially to people, because they often prey on pests, you know, like mosquitoes and ticks and and other, um, you know, other insects and invertebrates and Certainly, when the, the number of amphibians goes down, the number of those animals can go up, and that's not good because then we have a surplus of insects and arthropods that you can, you know, bite us, and they can spread disease. Ticks and mosquitoes can spread various diseases. Um, the aquatic and semi-aquatic sounding is important in keeping wetlands and water healthy, and certainly that's important for all forms of life. Wetlands are also natural, um, you know. Helps for floods and droughts. So, when the salamanders are removed, it can affect all these other systems which other animals, including human beings, rely on. So, it's not just bad for them, it's kind of bad for the whole picture.
0: So, salamanders are imported from Europe to the United States through the pet trade. Is this done legally, Matt?
10: It is, unfortunately. Um, and often, what I said before, you often have Asian species being export it to Europe and North America, and then you can have other species exported from one area to another. Um, and even month, right within the United States, you can have animals being moved around, and not just for the pet trade. Um, some people might be shocked to hear this, but a lot of tiger salamanders are called, are kind of um, moved around from one area to the other for the fishing bait trade. People use them as bait. Um, which you know a lot of people have this you know mentality cold-blooded animal it's cold-blooded it doesn't feel pain it's not true they're vertebrate animals they are capable of feeling pain and suffering so you can imagine you know st- sticking a hook through it is incredibly cool um, number one and then secondly again by moving the animals and displacing them from one area to the other you're then moving disease and germs from one area to areas that were previously healthy. So, again, displacing animals and moving animals from one area to another is an extremely bad idea, um, and, and, that, and that's how a lot of these diseases and pathogens get spread around.
0: How can people learn about salamanders, and how can they help them, At
10: Well, if you go to my website, which is very simple, savethesalamanders.com, there's a how-you-can-help page on this filled with just simple efforts that people can do to get involved. So I talked a lot about, you know, how salamanders, you know, some of the cruelty they're facing, their conservation concerns. I don't want to just talk about negative things. I want people to get involved. So there's a whole list of things on there that people can do. And there's a page all about uh, the B-cell fungus and, and even things that people can do to help in regard to that. So there's lots of ways that If you care about the environment or animals or wildlife, there's lots and lots of ways that people can get active and get involved and help out these gentle um, little animals that really do need the help.
0: Great. Check it out. Savethesalamanders.com. Savethesalamanders.com. Matt Ellerbet, thank you. Thank you. Peter, I know we're going back a few decades, but do you remember dissecting frogs in biology lab?
6: Yes, I, I do remember that. I think in high school. High school, uh, yeah, and there I remember the smell and the aluminum tray with the wax on the bottom. That that deal, did you did you do? Yeah, that? the smell yeah. never
0: leaves you, does it?
6: Well, I got another <laughs> another taste of it in medical school, but that's a different, <laughs> right. different story. But but it really a different was, smell though in medical. Yeah. Okay, it was it was uh, sort of traumatic. Every you know you have to be brave and you can't get squeamish, but it, it's uh, if you if you care at all, it's. Uh, Something to go through, to but, endure.
0: But looking back, it's unnecessary. Looking
6: back, it's unnecessary. And there are uh, groups really trying to oppose uh, the use of, of this technique. They, they The frogs are—it's it's cruel for the frogs. They're rounded up and killed. And, and uh, there, you can learn so much more from these new models, right, and online virtual uh, dissections or actual physical models. So it's uh, really got to get away from that, you know? Right,
0: yeah. right. Don't go away right after the break. Let's see how much Peter and you know about amphibians. We're going to take a quiz. Don't go away. You're listening to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner, and I want to thank you for joining us on Animals Today. Each week, we explore the wide variety of new and important issues concerning the welfare and rights of animals, how people treat them, and where they fit in society. From whale protectors risking their own lives on the open seas, to lawmakers fighting to pass legislation to assist animals, to kids volunteering at their local shelter, Animals Today provides timely and in-depth analysis and interviews with experts and advocates from around the world. To listen, join us every week on this station, listen on iTunes, or go to animalstodayradio.com, where you can access and listen to all the prior shows. And like us on Facebook and share your views. Much of our financial support comes from the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. That's AIANIMALS.org. So check them out. This is Dr. Lori, and thanks for listening.
8: Supporting those who defend our country is one of the important missions of Colorado Technical University, or CTU. In partnership with the Yellow Ribbon Fund, CTU awards 50 scholarships annually to wounded service members, spouses of wounded service members, and caregivers. The scholarship covers tuition, books, and fees for a single-degree program, along with a new laptop computer. CTU is recognized as one of the best online bachelor's programs by U.S. News & World Report, and as a best-for-vets college by Military Times. The university offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs, including business, criminal justice, computer science, and engineering. At CTU, students can study online, on campus, or a blend of both, and learn whenever and wherever fits with their schedules. The deadline for the CTU Wounded Warrior Scholarship Program is September 15th. To learn more about the Wounded Warrior Scholarship Program offered by CTU, visit coloradotech.edu. For important disclosures and information, visit coloradotech.edu. disclosures Financial aid is available for those who qualify. This report is brought to you by Colorado Technical University.
9: I'm Bob DiRigo Jones, and this is Let's Be Fair. For millions of baseball fans who attend big league games each year, the possibility of catching a foul ball is one of the attractions of the game. According to one study, as many as 53,000 foul balls are caught by happy fans each year. However, if lawyers who just filed a class action lawsuit against Major League Baseball have their way, a lot fewer fans will be leaving games with a souvenir ball. Under the lawsuit, all ballparks, including the historic Wrigley Field in Chicago and Fenway Park in Boston, would be required to extend protective netting from behind home plate all the way to the foul poles in left and right field. The lawyers argue that warnings about foul balls printed on tickets, posted around the ballparks, and mentioned over the PA system are not enough. Let's be fair, serious injuries do happen, and baseballs have been flying into the stands for decades, even before Babe Ruth was playing. But do we really want a policy like this that affects millions of baseball fans to be decided by one lawsuit? Learn more. Visit our website at centerforamerica.org.
8: Not available in California, Louisiana, and Virginia.
7: Listeners, do you have startup capital and want to invest in a booming business with incredible profit and growth potential? The opportunity is now because Fresh Healthy Vending, the number one healthy vending franchise in North America, is looking for a few business savvy, healthy minded people right here in the local area to become Fresh Healthy Vending franchise owners. We're growing so fast that we've had hundreds of new franchise owners in the last few years alone. Now you can join them. This area has a huge demand for fresh, healthy organic snacks on the go. And that's exactly what you'll be selling with your Fresh Healthy Vending machine. We've already identified prime high-traffic locations that are perfect for healthy vending machines. Now we just need the right people to join our franchise network and help fresh healthy vending continue to boom. If this sounds like you, go to readyforfresh.com today and enter code 1414. We'll send you a free owner information kit. As an added bonus to new franchise owners, we'll also pay half the franchise fees. Hurry, this offer is limited. Just go to readyforfresh.com and enter code 1414. That's readyforfresh.com, code 1414.
0: Welcome back. Hi, Peter. Hey, Lori. So we just had Matt Ellerbeck on the show talking about salamanders, and uh, I thought I'd give you a quiz to see how much you know about amphibians.
6: A pop quiz, because...
0: It's a pop quiz.
6: I was not aware of this.
0: I know. That's what a pop quiz is. Okay. It's like a nightmare.
6: (laughs) I'm just minding my own business.
0: That's right. But you're here.
6: Yes. You know the ground rules, right? (laughs) That's right. What is. So that's it? You just start it just like that? <laughs> okay. Like, no, get ready? No,
0: no, no. We don't have time to get ready. Ready? Ready. Amphibians. Yes. What's the Greek meaning of the word amphibian? Oh. Scaly, land dwelling, live a double life.
6: I'll go with the double life. It is. Okay. How'd
0: you know that? That makes sense. Though. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. The word amphibian comes from the Greek word amphibios which means to live a double life. The word is used for the class of animals that spend part of their lives in in water and part on land. Which of the following is not an amphibian? Okay. Frogs and toads, newts and salamanders, Sicilians, lizards. I say lizards. That's right. Lizards. Reptiles. Okay. Right. Got it. Amphibians are cold-blooded animals
6: or warm-blooded animals? Well, I was paying attention, so I'm going to say they're cold-blooded.
0: Very good.
6: As Matt did say that. That's right. What does cold-blooded mean? Cold-blooded, that means
0: that whatever the ambient temperature is, that's what you're that's what you get. Right. That they are the same temperature as the air or water that surrounds them. Okay. That's very good. And warm-blooded animals, you want to name a couple? A mammal? Mammals? Uh Birds? Birds, very good. So far <laughs> Hundred percent. Are amphibians insectivores or carnivores?
6: I, they, they eat insects, so I'll go with insectivore.
0: Actually, no. Uh. I know you think of the frog with oh. the big long tongue and yeah, snatching a fly uh-huh. or an insect. But all adult amphibians uh-huh. are meat-eating predators, wow. and they call them generalist carnivores. Wow! Yeah. See, we just learned something. So. Estivation. What Mm. does that mean? Estivation. Mm. Going into hiding and sleeping through the winter. Going into hiding and sleeping through the summer. Migrating south during the winter.
6: Wow. I'm going to say the number B.
0: That's very good. (laughs) (laughs) Going into hiding and sleeping through the summer. Wow. So, estivation is when animals slow their activity for the hot, dry Mm. summer months. And it's similar to... Hibernation, when some mammals spend the winter moving very little and sleeping a lot in order to save energy. Yeah. The amphibian babies are called cubs, (laughs) chicks, or tadpoles.
6: That sounds like a trick question. I'm going to go with tadpoles, though.
0: It's tadpoles. Uh, Very good. uh, What's the difference between a newt and a salamander?
6: Newt and a sal- I would s- okay, I would say a newt is a kind of salamander.
0: Good for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh. you paid attention to your biology classes.
6: I don't remember Okay,
0: anything. newts are a subgroup of salamanders, so don't all ask, newt- Don't ask
6: me about Spanish.
0: <laughs> How do you spell newt? Oh. Not like Newt Gingrich. How do you spell newt? Newt? Oh. Not N-E-W-T? That's right. Okay. I was trying to trick you. Okay, ready? What's the difference between a salamander and a lizard? Okay. They sort of look alike, don't they?
6: We have a lot of lizards ar- around here, yeah. but they stay they stay on the ground. Right. They, uh, let's see, they have scales or something, good.
0: Right? good. Is that
6: enough? You and they're more?
0: reptiles. Oh, they're reptiles. And salamanders are amphibians. Good. Okay. Yeah, good. Hmm. How can you tell the difference between newts and lizards? Okay. Mm. A If you see one swimming then it's always a newt. B Newts have 3 eyes and salamanders have 2. C Newts have 4 toes and lizards have oh. 5 on the front pair uh, of legs.
6: Okay. I, I I'm going to go with C. I don't know.
0: Was that a pure pure guess? I 3
6: eyes I'm not aware okay. of an animal that has 3 eyes. Okay. And the swimming, I don't know. I guess Well,
0: lizards do occasionally swim, but uh-huh. if you're if you've seen an animal in water then it's it's much more likely to be a newt but not always right so you are right newts the,
6: the lizard that was in our pool you saved he was he needed to be saved you he jumped didn't, in he and saved him in, him in your
0: clothes i know <laughs> i was i was so proud of you okay thank you for doing that you're welcome he just scurried away right after you see yeah
6: him. yeah he so spent that- like
0: two seconds in the pool before you just jumped in without any hesitation whatsoever Anyway.
6: In three, three feet of water.
0: <laughs> no, you're very brave. Thank you. <laughs> when it's 120 degrees here in Palm Springs. Yes. It was, must have been horrible to jump in our pool. <laughs> Newts have four toes and lizards have five on the front pairs of pair of legs. Hmm. So that's, that's true. Isn't that interesting? Last question. Ready? What are Sicilians? Yeah. I don't know. They are amphibians, but what are they? Yeah. They, they have these long, slender, limbless Oh. oh. And it looks like it's a cross between a worm and a snake. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It looks like a snake. Wow. Wormy. (laughs) Snakey. (laughs) Snakey. And they tend to live underground, burrowing through loose soil. And most people will never encounter one Mm. of the nearly 200 species of Sicilian. interesting. You did pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner, and I want to thank you for joining us on Animals Today. Each week, we explored the wide variety of new and important issues concerning the welfare and rights of animals, how people treat them, and where they fit in society. From whale protectors risking their own lives on the open seas, to lawmakers fighting to pass legislation to assist animals, to kids volunteering at their local shelter, Animals Today provides timely and in-depth analysis and interviews with experts and advocates from around the world. To listen, join us every week on this station, listen on iTunes, or go to animalstodayradio.com, where you can access and listen to all the prior shows. And like us on Facebook and share your views. Much of our financial support comes from the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. That's AIANIMALS.org. So check them out. This is Dr. Lori, and thanks for listening.
2: So you and your family have decided to get a dog or cat. We think that's great. And we want to remind you to adopt your next companion animal instead of buying. That's because shelters have so many loving dogs and cats waiting for a home that it just doesn't make sense to buy a pet from a breeder or pet store. And sadly, over half of all animals that enter shelters are killed. That's millions per year. So when you adopt your pet from a shelter, most likely, you really are saving a life. When you go to a shelter to adopt your new dog or cat, you will find many wonderful choices for your new family member. And please tell your friends and family to visit the shelter when they are ready to get a new dog or cat. Ask anyone. When you adopt an animal, you'll have a loyal friend for life. And you'll feel pretty good, too. This message is presented by Advancing the Interests of Animals. Visit them at aianimals.org and on Facebook. That's aianimals.org.
0: Animals Today Radio is made possible in part by a generous grant from International Society for Animal Rights. ISARonline.org.